You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sombrano. Host of Locked On Rays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, iHeartRadio, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked On Rays. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays. And we love your emails, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. Well, Ulysses, the Tampa Bay Rays lose to the Washington Nationals by a score of four to three. They drop to 47 and 33 on the year in two games behind the Red Sox in the American League East. On the bright side, it was a two and a half hour game. So I love that. I was like, man, we are we are going back. But this game is rolling here. So if the Rays are going to have to lose, I'd rather be in a two and a half hour game instead of a three or three and a half hour game. I'll just throw that out there. I I think I have to agree with you on that one. If they have to lose, at least don't don't make me waste three hours of my life. Yes. Two and a half will just do the job just right. Uh, it, it just got you. You get into it. Uh, on the wrong foot right away. Yeah, I don't even think Kyle Schwarber wasted even one pitch. One pitch, boom, bomb, one zero. It's tough. And yes. then, you know, you you get behind the eight ball, 3-0 in the first inning, and then another one in, in, in the second, 4-0, and you haven't even recorded four outs. Right. And you're already down 4-0. I think wasn't the first seven hitters that that really did the damage there. And then Rich Hill kind of quieted down. He had his meltdown in, in, in the dugout, which I loved, loved, loved. I love right. meltdowns in dugouts. I'm a I'm a sucker for them. Every time they happen, that's must-watch TV. Which for means me. you love Brett Gardner then, because he did his best Brett Gardner impression to some This extent. was better. This was better. Yeah. There, there, there was uh there, there was hair involved, so that was nice. Um no, he he went crazy. And and then I loved what he did after that. He had his meltdown. And he, his turn was up next. What did he do? He did something for the team. He's like, you know what? I'm going to get a base hit. And he bunted himself on. And then with a mistake by the uh, by the throw, he gets to second. That is what I'm talking about when making contact is always better than a strikeout. If, if Rich Hill at 41 can bunt himself on with his athletic ability to run, I don't need to see Kevin Kiermeyer and every other hitter with the shift, not try to bunt themselves on. Ridiculous. Yeah. couple of things. Really, this game was all about Rich Hill in one form or another. Like, somebody forgot to tell him that, no, this isn't the home run derby. This isn't batting practice for Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, and Victor Robles. By the way, uh, Kyle Schwarber just ranking up in history as uh, I saw a stat where he joined Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa as the only players to hit 16 homers in an 18 game span and Albert bell as the only ones to hit 10 home runs in 12 games, a lot of steroids on that list. Just going to throw that out there, but uh, I will, uh, I will move off from that, but yeah, Kyle. And, and I know that there, there were some comments about Rich Hill, maybe tipping his pitches. I guess that might've been something there, but also when you leave a, uh, 
an 83-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball in the wheelhouse for Kyle Schwarber. What do you expect him to do with it? It's, it is it is what it is with that. And like you said, he has been hot. It's not that he did it only to Rich Hill. He's been doing it to plenty of yes. pitchers throughout this 18-game uh, crazy streak that he's got on. Uh, but, yeah, that, that that just gets you off in a bad foot. And, and then the lineup is thinking in the second inning, oh, man, we got to score some run. at right. least five runs, at least. It's, it's tough. Yeah. And, and at least Rich Hill, again, like you mentioned, settled down after that, did help the team. I mean, the bullpen, the, the arms are going to be fresh for today, and then you have the off day on Thursday. So you can yeah. really throw out anybody and everybody. You can throw the kitchen sink at the Washington Nationals if you want. The funny thing about Rich Hill, too, is, uh, you know, in it's it's so, like, ridiculous that we have pitchers batting, but the, the way he approaches – like he takes it serious. Like he's got one batting glove. Like he's a golfer. He chokes up on the bat and then laying down a great bunt. And like you said, if he can lay down a bunt, just practicing for a couple of days, I know he played in the national league for years. No, then professional major league hitters should be able to do that. In fact, there might be a little bit of a market inefficiency here for extra innings. Maybe use rich Hill If you're like, we really want to move that runner over. Move him to third. You know that for the most part, the guy laying down that bunt is going to get out anyway. So it's not like you're going to have to be worried about Rich Hill or somebody else running the base pass. So maybe that's an option where you you take two or three pitchers that, hey, you want to learn how to bunt? You you, want to just practice this consistently in your off days when you're not throwing? Let's do it because we need to get that runner over and get them in one way or the other. Just throwing it out there as a possibility. Eric Neander, Kevin Cash, Kyle Snyder. Uh, I'm giving out suggestions left and right. What do you want from me? I I like it. It's it's one of those Kevin uh, wacky ideas, and and, and, and I'm all for it. Uh, I want to point out You're more on board with that than my seven-inning ball games in a a (laughs) 100-game seasons. Okay. Good. Make, make baseball entertaining again. Um, yes. No, uh, I want to point out a couple of things. So the Rays actually, you know, had the, the, the power stroke yesterday, Zunino mm-hmm. uh, on the foul pole and Brendan Lau. Two things. First of all, I think Kevin Kiermaier does not get the credit that he deserves sometimes uh, with how much he has not changed as a ball player. When he came up at 22, the hustle to always run out things. Right. I was always impressed by that. And I really like that. He's 30 years old and he's still doing that. The same exact thing. He did it yesterday, getting that double. So that's number one. I want to give some props to KK. I, I will two. say though. Yes, that is great. But again, you are supposed to be the veteran leader, the veteran presence. You're the highest paid player. I expect you to do those things, especially if you're not hitting 300 and hitting 28 bombs every year. Like you got to make it up in some ways besides just the glove. I'm just throwing that out there. If you're not going to bunt, right. at least hustle hard, buddy. Exactly. And he does. Um, number two, Brandon Lau. Mm-hmm. We have noted his struggles continuously during 2021 because they have been a continuous struggle for, for him this season. He has a 742 OPS and about a 204 average right now for Brandon Lau. 17 bombs, if I'm not mistaken, 17. Obviously, if this is the player that he is going to be, a 25 homer guy with a Mendoza line kind of average and seven, say, let's 780 OPS. Obviously, that's a disappointment to what we all thought he could be. But to you, Kevin Weiss, do you think that if he is this guy for the next two, three years, 
Um, is this is this a guy who's playable? Is this a guy that you want in the lineup? A 780 OPS guy, fairly good defense, and and you know what you're going to get the 33% strikeout rate with the 25 bombs in a 162 game season. If he does not get hurt, is he playable for the next three years like that? I think so, but I think you pick his spot versus lefties. I think you when you have Wander Franco in the fold and maybe have Vidal Brujan in the fold, then maybe you can pick your spots with that. Look, I think we're starting to see a little bit more of something from Brandon Lau. Finally, uh, and, and not saying that he's been great against lefties as of late, but at times he's shown a little bit more of the power stroke. And I think there's going to be a point where things turn around in the second half. But I mean, even still, if you look at, the, the OPS and what he provides defensively and, and power numbers wise, he still more than makes up for that contract of his, like what, what's he owed this year, next year, and the year after that, it's still a couple mils, I mean, yeah. a piddly amount compared yeah. to what he's able to do. And what are your other options outside of that? Are you going to try to give Mike Brasso another run at it again? I mean, who knows? Maybe by that time, maybe in three years, Xavier Edwards, Greg Jones, one of those guys is available, but I, I still think you have to ride it out. I, I look, I, I think it's what he does defensively. I really like him defensively too. And, and how he kind of shores up the middle there and has made tough plays and can turn the double play. So um, look, it's, I would have liked to see more of what we saw from the 2020 regular season. I, I think that, and we, we also have to keep in mind that some guys just have a bad year. Some guys yes. just, yeah. you can have down years. Look at Kyle Schwarber. There, there's a, there's a Very reason bad. he, I guess, got non-tendered and only got a one-year deal from the Nationals. So things happen. I mean, I know things were wacky in 2020, but Austin Meadows was crap last year, too. Yeah. So I think that I think things will eventually turn around somewhat. I don't think he's ever going to be a 270, 280 hitter, but um, I, I think you just have to you you utilize him, but you be more cautious about how you use him against lefties going forward. I would say. So because of what he showed from 2018 to 2020, if he is this guy who's just going to be a power hitter with fairly good defense and not much of a high average and not even touching 800 OPS, right? I think Rays Nation would be disappointed in that. I think Brendan Lau would be disappointed in that. But I think that you have a point. He might still be playable unless the Brujans, the Xavier Edwards, maybe even the Mike Brossos of the world uh, say, you know what, I can do that. I can do that and I can do that better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the one thing that I want to watch out going forward towards the all-star break and in the second half is if his strikeout rate declines and his average increases because we see, you know, with the crackdown on substances, sticky substances, mm -hmm. ball spinning less and less crazy stuff, less wiffle ball action. If that, even that little extra margin, those couple hundred fewer RPMs on a spinner or a fastball or whatever it may be. Maybe that allows Brandon Lau and so many others to, I mean, I think we'll, we'll start to see averages tick up naturally uh, after that, but we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Very good question. In fact, I've got a couple of hypotheticals with you coming up after the break. Uh, one of them involving Brandon Lau as well. One last thing from the game I do want to get to. Uh, so Wander Franco went, one for four had a base hit the other way on a breaking ball by Joe Ross. But um, one thing I have noticed and hey, credit to the Valley sports TV crew for throwing up a great graphic on the underlying numbers of Franco 
in his plate appearances, like his swing rate, his in zone swing rate, chase rate, whiff rate, uh, whiff rate on out of zone pitches, all those all those numbers, all those metrics seem to be exceptional for Franco, uh, let alone the fact that he's 20 years old. But just something based on the eye test and coming up from AAA is, have we yet seen him square up for a base hit, a fastball above 94, 95 miles per hour? I've seen him foul off a lot of them, but I don't know if he's really squared one up yet. I think that's something to watch and monitor. Yeah. I, I looked it up. He's actually batting under a hundred on fastballs. And yeah. I mean, the breaking balls he's, he's really done damage with, but again, that adjustment from minor leagues to, yes. to, 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 to the big leagues where you have Joe Ross, who it's not like Joe Ross throws 99, hundred, but where he's got a, a, a 94 two seamer and a 95, 96, four seamer going in different directions and he can move it in and outside and wherever he wants to. I mean, he was on, Last night, it's sort of a welcome to the big league moment uh, for people one. Not think saying that I'm just be- for you. Not saying I'm concerned no. about it, but I'm just throwing it out there. People think that just because the guy's hitting, you know, 300 plus in the in the in AAA and like has like a 950 OPS, oh well, then he can just slide right in in the major yeah. leagues. There's still such an adjustment to make. You don't think that if AAA pitchers were all hitting 98, 100, they wouldn't be in the AAA. Right. They wouldn't be in AAA. That's why they're in AAA. Okay. Like most people don't do that. That's in the major leagues. So yeah. there is always going to be that adjustment. And I think we're just going to have to be patient. But yeah, the underlying numbers on Franco are really, really well. And again, he's getting babbitt. Yesterday, he had a couple of hard liners and, and ground outs that, that got caught. Unfortunately, I mean, a play at second, I think by Josh, by Josh Harrison, Harrison made that was the play of the year for him. He's not going to make another play like that. And that's that the other great. thing, too. The defenders are a little bit quicker, a little bit more yeah. sure-handed, a little bit in a more better data. position at the major leagues. Yes. They're already sh- they started shifting Wander Franco in, in his second or third ga- game in, in the big leagues. Like yeah. there's more data available people. If Wander hits that ball in Triple A, that's a base hit 96 100%. out of 100 times. Yeah. So, in again, I don't think he's it's not look, we we've made this point that you just like we we've given Brandon Lau a pretty long leash here you best damn be sure we're going to give Wander Franco a very yes. uh, long leash with that as well. Uh, Spotify Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. And once you're in, you can talk with me, Ulysses, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting rooms for Locked on Rays once a week. And yes, that means you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. So be sure to go download the free Spotify Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the Tampa Bay Rays group for the latest league updates. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Okay, Ulysses, as I was watching the game yesterday and based on some of our conversations this week, I wanted to bring up a couple hypothetical questions to you. The first one is uh, yesterday or Tuesday's show, we had a lot of discussion about the all-star voting and how a lot of uh, Tampa Bay Rays players were down ballot, really didn't get the votes that they deserved. But I did want to posit this question to you. So, Assuming that, you know, Glass now would most likely be the 
the representative for the Rays, but being that he is not healthy and would be unavailable to play, who is the one uh, Rays player? Who would be the one Rays candidate, one Rays representative that you'd throw in there for the All-Star game? Not Glass now. We, we assume that, okay, can't have Glass now in there, but the Rays still have to have their one right. representative. Who would you give that designation to? Because there's a lot of candidates that you could choose from, quite frankly. Honestly, I think there are only three. There are only okay. three, and it, and it depends on how you want to answer this question. If it's because of their accolades overall and like who has had the best season as a Ray, I think that would be Joey Wendell. That's number okay. one. If you're talking about who is the the name uh, who most baseball fans watching the All-Star game are going to recognize, then you have to go to Randy Rosarena, who hasn't had a bad season. He's the only rookie to have 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases. If he kicks it up a, a notch... Uh, in the second half, he could be a 2020 guy in his rookie year. And right. I think that would garner him some uh, rookie of year uh, uh, votes. Number three, if you're talking about who has had the best se- uh, season in their own position against others in the league with their own positions, then that would be Mike Zanino. Yeah. So those so, are the three guys. Those are the three guys, but you can only pick one. So who would you, you have the choice. You have the power, Ulysses, to make that selection today. Out of those three, who are you sending to the All-Star game? Is it Wendell? Is it Randy? Is it Zanino? I think you got to go with the guy that has the best all-around season, and you got to go with Joey Wendell. Joey Wendell. And besides, okay. if you're an All-Star, if you're an All-Star uh, manager, you know that you're going to have to substitute a heck of a lot. You know what would be really nice to know? Joey Wendell can play second, short, third. Oh, corner outfield. Boom. I mean, mean, (laughs) that's a guy that you want to have in these types of games. He's not a bad choice, and he's certainly deserving for what he's put up. It's so funny because Kevin Cash was asked this question, basically, and he basically named half the roster. Like, okay, you got to narrow it down a little bit. I, I know I talked about yeah. Manny Margot being underrated, but I don't necessarily, that doesn't mean he's an all-star this year. Right. So you can keep yeah. his name out of the conversation. Like Ryan Thompson, no, not an all-star. Like Andrew Kittredge, okay, I can sort of see it with the numbers, but has he really done it in a bunch of high leverage situations? He's pitched in a lot of different situations, but it's sure. not like he's been in that de facto closer role like Diego Castillo, who has 12 saves, but... He's been shaky at times. In fact, yeah. a lot of the guys that I think Cash mentioned, I mean, they they all have their flaws or, or all have something. Like, I was actually, I'm a little, not totally surprised, but you, you didn't even throw Austin Meadows in the conversation. I know. And maybe it's because of the average and that's kind of below the metric there. But again, if we're taking into account everything, the, the defense is, it seems like every fly ball he's getting turned around like a ballerina. Like that, that's what it is. I mean, I know he's in the DH category, but right. But like, again, uh, I think it's, it's very valuable to have a guy like Austin Meadows right now in the Rays uh, lineup. But I think you can find a lot of guys in the league that are comparable to what he's right. producing right now. The, a lot of guys that are hidden to 40 with 14, 15 home runs. Yeah. That, that's yes. very fair. I mean, you look at the DH ballot and that's a lot of the guys on there. Basically. I would actually go, and not not a knock on Joey Wendell, but I'm going to give it to Mikey Z. I'm going to give okay. it to Florida man himself, Mikey Z. You <laughs> you can't have Salvador Perez play all nine innings, can you? So you, you no. got to have a couple of backup catchers. And actually, I looked it up. Mike Zanino is leading all American League catchers in war 
right now. You, you add to the fact of what he does with the power and so many of the home runs he's hit thus far have been in clutch needed moments. Like yesterday, the Rays, we thought, hey, they're out of it. They're going to lose this game. And then he barely, barely sneaks one over to make it Counts. three. But yeah. a lot of those... In a lot of those situations that are one-run games, I almost get the impression, yes, we know he strikes out a lot and there's the swing and miss component, although that is uh, that, that has decreased this season compared to uh, prior years. But every time, th- this is where I kind of get the all-star vibes for Zanino besides his defensive presence and being able to, to frame pitches and things of that nature. But it seems like for me, when I'm watching Zanino, it's almost every time a must-watch at bat with the, the rate of home runs per at bat. And every time he steps in, it's like, man, if he just makes contact, it could be out. And and, and that's the sign of this could be an all-star, right? And who are your other, I mean, Yasmani Grandal, like you're going to, is he, you're going to throw him? Like, I know we, we joke on Zanino's average, but he, Grandal's batting 180. So how can no, you no, like and, reasonably. And, and, and again, that's not uh, what we have to focus on. I, I think it's great that, that he's got that pop, but Again, just like with Joey Wendell playing different positions, you know what would be really nice to have as an as a as a manager, a catcher who is really adept at uh, at framing, at, at pitch recognition, at handling mm-hmm. a staff that changes every three batters. That would be really nice to have in the All Star Game too. And Mike Zunino is already used to doing that with the Rays. So uh, honestly, that that would be the the biggest pro I think for for Zunino would be his work behind the plate with so many pitch, pitchers that you got to you know handle it yeah. and kind of talk rather fastly and like what do you got? Okay, how do you like to pitch? You know all of that stuff. Mike Zunino has shown that that he's able to do that. Zunino eight forty four OPS in seventeen home runs. Me likey right there. <laughs> My follow-up second question, Ulysses, I mentioned Mike Zanino. We mentioned Austin Meadows. We've mentioned Brandon Lau. Uh, Austin Meadows, or I should say, I should go in correct order here. Mike Zanino has 17 home runs. Brandon Lau and Austin Meadows both have 16 as of right now. Who will finish with the most home runs this year on the team? Austin Meadows. Okay. Yeah, because uh, the playing time, I, I, I mean, yeah. Mike Zanino can't do it. I mean, he can't do it with the play, playing time. And number two, Brendan Lau is going to have to. I know that, like you said, yeah, he got, a, a, I think, a home run a three days ago against the lefty. But I don't think the playing time with Brendan Lau is going right. to increase against lefties by any means. So I, th- I, th- I think you have to go with Austin Meadows. I agree with you just based on the plate appearances and at bats. In fact, that Meadows has done it before. He's actually been a 30 homer guy. He stayed relatively healthy for a full season. Zanino, the opportunities, Brandon Lau, the opportunities and ability to stay healthy. And the other number that I look at for Austin Meadows, besides the fact that the, the Rays may, you know, put him more at the top of the order compared to some of those other guys is that Meadows has 20 doubles. And I, I looked at some of his metrics there, and about half of those have gone off the wall in <laughs> at whichever ballpark he's played in. So depending on the park factors, the environment, I mean, it's very easy. Usually doubles translate into home runs at some point. So it's not just the is he's not just a home run and singles guy. Like you would expect some of those to carry a little bit more. Uh so Meadows, I agree with you. I think that's the guy that ultimately finish it uh finishes as the leader in home runs on the team i mean just 
seeing the ball well. In fact, he got robbed yesterday. Uh, that, that could have been a, a key moment yeah. in the game if that umpire, that home plate umpire, didn't call. And, and I know you have to protect it, but that was a, that was a ball. That, that was a ball to every ump. Angel Hernandez would have called that a ball. Joe West would have called that a ball. The race uh, had their chances yesterday. Yeah. They had their chances. They just couldn't get that key hit. I mean, and sometimes it was a good defensive play, like we talked about with with Josh Harrison. Yeah, it 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 it, it sucks. It yeah. sucks. Of course it does. Uh, it is what it is with that. Okay, uh, Ulysses. You know what might help? Austin Meadows, Mike Zanino, Brandon Lau. They're trying. Maybe one of those, more than one of those, will get to thirty home runs this year. Uh, Built Bar could help them out a little bit, right? Um, yeah. Well, they, not not only are they the, they the best tasting protein bar ever, but they have chocolate. Who doesn't like chocolate, Kevin? I mean, I've never met an actual person that's, that has told me I don't like chocolate. Yeah. So I would recommend Built Bar to everybody. They've got nine delicious flavors, including cherry, raspberry, salted caramel, double chocolate, coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, which is my favorite. They are healthy and delicious. They've got 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams net carbs. So if you're hungry and you want to get some chocolate, but you don't want to feel guilty, guess what? You can go to BuiltBar.com and order yourself today a case, a pack of Built Bars by using promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And guess what? If you use this code, you get 15% off your first order. So go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get yourself some healthy, tasty chocolate bars. This isn't in the live read, but there is a chance that if you eat enough, consume enough Built Bars, you may gain the strength, the raw strength of Mike Zanino. I, yes. I can't confirm or deny that report, but right. it could be a possibility. Just throwing that out there. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember, use that promo code locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and go to Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Ulysses, uh, the Rays will try to, I guess we call it splitting the two-game series. Uh, the Rays will try to do that against the Washington Nationals tonight as Drew Rasmussen will be opening, followed by Michael Walker providing bulk. Uh, as we mentioned, the Rays will have, the, for the most part, the entire bullpen on deck, and they'll all be going up against John Lester. What are you looking for tonight? Well, I mean, Drew Rasmussen, he has been just on fire yes. with the race. 11 batters faced, only seven strikeouts. How about that? Oh, that's seven pretty strikeouts. good. You, you know, what's <laughs> funny, amazing. Ulysses, we, we talked about Wander Franco and not facing high velocity in the minors. Rasmussen is one of those guys that the race have so many arms that they had to stash him in AAA, yeah. but something tells me this guy isn't going to be like the opener for long. He is, he has high leverage closer opportunities written all over him. When you consider the, the 9,900 fastball that 
he can spot in the corners and the, the curveball that that fits into the bottom of the zone. I really, really, th- this guy could be, a, not want to say Nick Anderson, but Nick Anderson type in the future. Well, th- this is the thing. These are the types of race trades that kind of make you scratch your head because when when you look at the Adamas trade, everything was JP Fire Eisen, obviously the guy that was ready to be in the major leagues yeah. right away. Kind of like the... Jose Martinez and, and Randy Rosarena. It's the second guy. It's yes. always, it, it, like the right, the race, like that second guy, sometimes a little bit more than that headliner. And mm-hmm. this, I, I think is what's going to happen with Drew Rasmussen. I think, yeah, you're right. He's going to be the high leverage guy. Let's remember Castillo. Uh, he's going to be uh, owed uh, some money in arbitration. Yeah. So uh, he's got the safes racked up. Those are the ones that count. For, if, for for arbitration. So let's be be honest. The race wanted to keep that payroll down. This is a good way of doing that. You mentioned the second guy, the Padres trade. Hunter Renfro was the big name-ish major leaguer, but Xavier Edwards is really there the you prize go. in that yeah. deal. And Rasmussen, you mentioned Diego Castillo and Pete Fairbanks too. I mean, if he can't, yeah. if he's going to continue to be a thrower instead of a pitcher and not locate that fastball and just throws it and hope it finds the catcher's glove somewhere, uh, then the, the Rays may have to shift roles with that. So you know, we'll see. Um, for today's game, I'm I'm kind of worried because Michael Walker did not have a successful Mets tenure last year. I know, 60-game season, of course, yada, yada, yada. Yet, he wasn't, you know, very effective last, last year with the Mets. He mm-hmm. saw the Nats plenty of times. So, the Nats saw him. I'm kind of worried about that. But having said that, just like you mentioned in the first uh, in the first segment, the Rays have fresh arms. There's no need to ask Michael Walker to throw six innings today. There is no right. need. If Drew Rasmussen can get you a couple of clean innings, first and second inning, get Kyle Schwarber <laughs> to not hit a home run. That's number one. Then get two clean innings from Drew. You get Michael Walker, even if he provides three innings, Kevin. That's all you need. Yeah. Three, maybe four innings, and then you just start matching up uh, bullpen arms uh, to the lineup. I think that would be a successful Rays win. Yeah, I think the Rays really made a smart decision there not to bring in or have Waka be the traditional starter, even though he did do well against the Red Sox, five shutout innings, and really had the changeup working well. And yes, Rasmussen is a guy who... The, the way he can rack up strikeouts is he, he could work one and a third, one and two thirds, something yeah. along those lines with that. Expecting, look, here, here's Wander Franco besides his debut breakout game, breakout game opportunity. Ooh, he, like he'll be that. batting from the right side with John Lester on the mound. John Lester not bringing a lot of heat, uh, you know, averaging about 89, 90 on the fastball, though Lester is a very, very savvy veteran at 37 years old, having played, I mean, He's basically right up there with Rich Hill as far as uh, time in the big league. So maybe he tries to carve him up but, with the cutter change and curve. But I feel like this is an opportunity where Franco could really pounce, in my opinion. And and again, he's had more success success as a, as a right-handed batter. And right-handed batters throughout the league have been hitting the snot out of John Lester's yes. fastball, curveball, and changeup. I mean, my goodness, uh, he is... Not doing so hot. Even he's basically a number five, number six starter right now. He's he's just there to provide innings, basically. Yes, and and I think he had had a a whip of one point seventy eight against righties. 
I mean, yeah. this is a guy that is going to give you traffic on the bases. You're going to see a, a bunch of righties in the Rays lineup today. So hopefully Franco is one of those righties that 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 can do some damage. But, um, you know, we've we've noted the struggles that the Rays have faced in 2021 against against lefty uh, pitchers. So hopefully today is not one of those days. I will say the Nationals, man, they're giving me some 2019 vibes. They are no. finally above 500 for, I think, the first time all season or since the very first game where they went 1-0. They <laughs> could be on a little bit of a roll here and really, really surprising some people. Um, finally, do want to read a quick email here. Just a shout-out to Scott Radigan, maybe the one guy in the world who agreed with me on the Wander Franco standing ovation debate and whether that was kosher or not. Uh, he says, hi, Kevin and Ulysses, not a Kevin burner account. See, it is a real person here. Unless I created a fake email address entitled it yeah. Scott Radigan with the uh, email address <laughs> and phone number here. He says, uh, still opposed to the standing. O. I am okay with the curtain call, much more appropriate timing slash response to the hype. This was after the three uh, run wonder Homer uh, back in his debut that tied the game. Uh, does that affect my eligibility to join the fun police? Of course not. No, you can always uh, uh, join the fun or no fun police. However you want to call it. I am a uh, calling card member there and, and we need, we need more people on board with that. Ulysses might, you know, be a, a reserve fun police member Sometimes. considering he's not a fan of the wave. So I might have yeah. to, you know, throw you a oh, little bit of sucks. a certificate. Uh, I hate oh, the wave. Wait, no, it's all about the fans. We, we <laughs> got to do everything to please the fans, Ulysses. This hate is a, the wave. a fan oriented sport. God. So you know, what's the, the worst about the wave? It's like, you know, you're, you're losing by one. There's a man on second, you know, the one out, the, the high leverage situation. People start doing the wave. Like, are you kidding me? That's also, that's such a disrespect for the players to like, really Oh, is. they're not entertaining enough. You're not really razzled, dazzled by a 98 mile an hour fastball. You need to like get up in unison and put your hands up in the air. Like you just don't care. It's ridiculous. Fun police, fun cop over <laughs> here. I'm looking at him. No, I'm with you. I think the wave is really, really stupid. In fact, they were doing the wave at the Baltimore Orioles Rays game at the Trop I went to, I that, that was the opportunity where I crossed my arms. I, I was yeah. not having it at all, not participating whatsoever. In fact, I told my girlfriend, Hannah, I, I basically kept her down to make sure she would not participate <laughs> in the wave there. Uh, finally, from Scott, he says, uh, on more reflection, it is a positive step to, one, see more than 10,000 fans at a Tuesday game, that two know what is going on enough to give the ovation slash curtain call one mm -hmm. step at a time, I guess. Have a great day. Very, uh, very well, respectfully, Scott Radigan. Thank you, Scott. Scott. Much appreciate Thank it. you so much. Look, man, we love, we love getting these emails and, and the DMs. So like never stop doing that. Um, I'll actually surprise you with one that we also uh, got on Instagram, maybe uh, later in the week, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice. So always, always be sure to reach us out and, and we'll, we'll read them on the show. We don't care. Yeah. Even if they're negative, we've, we've read critical ones oh, yeah. before, right? Yeah. We've read emails about us mispronouncing players' names. A la yeah. we'll, we'll read Franco, a la Mike Brasso. Yeah. So if we screw up a player's name, you can email us about it. Yeah. Uh, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. There we go. Okay. Uh, that wraps up this edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episodes of the Locked on Today and Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.